Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nation's Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I'm talking with Claudia Liscano. She is the CEO of Fuku, the chicken sandwich fast casual founded by chef David Chang that's now primarily expanding through sporting venues. Fuku first opened in 2015 in New York's Lower East Side, selling the spicy chicken sandwich that had been a secret menu item at Chang's renowned restaurant, Momofuku. Over the past eight years, Fuku has expanded to what is now three three brick and mortars in New York, but about 30 stadium and arena locations across the country, including at Madison Square Garden in New York, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, and T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Claudia, whose past experience included marketing roles with Burger King and Church's Chicken, as well as with the Miami Dolphins and Marlins, joined Fuku about a year ago, and she joined the podcast to talk about why Fuku is all in on this non-traditional growth strategy and how the company is improving its operations, uh, its branding, and its service to maximize its stadium potential. In this conversation, you will learn more about how there is an opportunity to change the narrative around bad stadium food, why unleashing the power of your brand begins with consistency, and why the key to thriving in a sports venue is excellent operations. Jumping now into my interview with Fuku CEO Claudia Lesgano. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my five takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. Okay, I'm here with Claudia Lesgano, the CEO of Fuku. Claudia, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sam, for the opportunity. Really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, likewise. Fuku, I mean, this is a brand that, I mean, obviously I've, I've heard about now for eight years. 2015, this brand was started. David Chang, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast doesn't know David Chang and probably doesn't know Fuku, um, his fast casual fried chicken brand. But if for some reason there's that one person out there that's not quite as familiar with this brand, give us a little bit more detail about what it's all about. Sure thing. As you mentioned, uh, Chef Created by David Chang, and we were born and raised in the Lower East Side of New York in 2015. And we began actually as a secret menu item at Momofuku. Um, and then this sandwich, this spicy fried chicken sandwich that was unique at the time because it was uh, based on thigh meat, dark meat, um, took off. So this secret menu item takes off and um, all of a sudden, Fuku became its own standalone concept, and we're just excited to be here eight years later. Um, I like to say we were really the first ones into the chicken sandwich wars uh, before there were even wars. So that's a little bit of the background, but uh, born in New York and now really expanding throughout the country. And am I, am I right to say 30-some locations? So throughout, we have uh, several brick and mortars in New York City. That's kind of our home base. And then 30 different uh, venue locations. So we have really continued to expand in very interesting locations, um, sporting venues. So sporting venues, the U.S. Open, Formula One. So, yes, about 30 locations or so. So let's jump right into that. What, what's behind the decision to go that sort of non-traditional model with the sports arenas? 
Yeah, what is so exciting and really was exciting to me when I joined the brand, having grown up in the in the food business at Burger King Corporation and at churches and also having a little bit of sports in my career at the Dolphins at the Marlins, um, I too asked myself the question, why is Fuku at all of these sporting venues? And it's really part of our origin story. Um, as I shared, Fuku was a secret menu item on the Momofuku menu, and then we had our own standalone concept in New York. One or two months after we had the standalone concept, Madison Square Garden came knocking on the door. So really, uh, venues and concessions and sports partnerships are very much a part of our origin story. And what is exciting to, to me and to us and to David, even when he created um, this amazing sandwich, was providing chef-created food to those that are at sporting venues. Um, you know, typically uh, fanfare has been hot dogs, hamburgers. So really, he was excited early on about bringing this to sporting venues as well. So it's part of our origin story, and now we're really continuing to expand in that area. I'm curious just for the opportunity, uh, about the opportunity in, in sporting arenas, for those who've not operated in this space. I mean, I have to imagine there's sort of a predictability of your sales figures. And now on one hand, that's a negative because it kind of you ride or die with the success of the teams or the events that are happening there. But at the same time, you know how many seats there are, you know about how many people are going to show up. It, it, tell me about the opportunity you see in arenas and why it's there. Maybe some of the pros and cons, I guess you could say of that model. Certainly. And it's it's really kind of an interesting model. Um, many restaurants aren't necessarily in arenas because usually when you have a quick service restaurant or a fast casual restaurant, they need to operate every single day to really be profitable over an entire year. So um, when you take a, a larger concept and say you're only going to operate 10 times during an NFL season, that's simply not enough. But as a small company, we're really kind of uniquely positioned to be able to do that. Um, and what we've been doing is striking partnerships both with the sports teams and the venues. It's not just me making a phone call or our business development team making a phone call and saying, hey, I want to sell um, at Madison Square Garden. You really have to work with those partners, the teams and the concession partners, to make sure there's an opportunity to even enter um, you know, the arena or the specific um, venue that might be in consideration. So I think... Um, not that easy to get into, but once you strike the right partnerships and you you share with your partners that guests and fans of sports are craving really excellent food at their venues. So you're paying $100, $200, $300 to get into a venue and you want a food that is really going to match the, you know, the, the caliber of the dollars that you just spent. So it's uh, been really interesting to, to get into that footprint and expand it and again, being such a small company, we are uniquely positioned to be able to operate them um, on a you know regular basis. Back to the forecasting, um, they're all very different. So at a football stadium, we only have 10 events, but at the Yankees, we have 81 home games. And you know when they go into the playoffs, we have even more. So it's been taking a, a combination of data and really looking at sales and trying to create a forecast. But then um, what has been fun is that it's also using your sponsorship dollars within these venues to drive traffic to your concession. So um, if you see flat traffic trends into your concession, what is it that we're doing incorrectly or what can we do better? Is it our operation? Is it our menu offering? So you would think there aren't that many um, chances to really look at your data and your forecast, but we are able to look at it and then um, drive business accordingly. So, so uh, tell me about the, the future plans for that strategy. It, it, are you all in on arenas, sports venues, event venues? 
uh, or do you see opportunity in the brick and mortar channel as well? And I know you've gotten into Ghost Kitchen too, so tell me about the sort of the future trajectory of that growth. Absolutely. Um, in the last year that I've joined the organization, really our exponential growth has been in the concessions and the sports arena landscape. Um, that has been something that we've been working uh, very hard at, but also there's very much a need and a demand. Um, you know, as we've approached different teams and organizations, they, they know of Fuku, they know of David Chang, and they really want to seize the opportunity to bring in the brand. So that has been a very, uh, very much of my focus in year one is to grow that footprint. Um, brick and mortars are still a very important part of our DNA. Uh, born in New York, we have a location at Hudson Yards, a location at Rockefeller Center. We have a digital kitchen, um, which is kind of a satellite kitchen in the Lower East Side. So I'd say right now our, our big focus has been on concessions because of the demand there is for companies like Fuku to come in and elevate that dining experience. Uh, but brick and mortars are still very much a part of our, our future. Um, I like to call them eateries. We're going to evolve from, from a brick and mortar to eateries that are really based more in um, the original concept that we had, which was something, you know, a, a kind of a, a nice location you'd walk into. Uh, there was a sandwich, a beer, very simple menu, but a, a really good meal and a good time. So, um, both are very important. Yeah. Ghost kitchens, I would say, are, are a bit less. Um, that's not really much of our mix anymore. I think that's something that was very important th throughout the pandemic, certainly. And we had successes with different ghost kitchens. Um, as we've evolved forward, I think, um, at least speaking for myself and for Fuku, we really want to be the operators of our brand. So um, ghost kitchens didn't give us that flexibility. So we've, we've kind of brought that back in and are focusing uh, concessions and venues and, and brick and mortar. Yeah, well, God willing, we don't have another pandemic that shuts down the venues for you exactly. guys and have to go back to the ghost kitchen model. Exactly. We'll all hope for the best on that front. Um, what, what do you think about the competition? You, you talked about sort of the, you know, kind of the original to it before the chicken wars. But, you know, competition really exists in brick and mortar space. When it comes to competition in the arenas, how do you view competition? Do you view competition with the other vendors in the in the arena? It's it's a very good question. I think that the the competition is to is really not with the other vendors, but um, to break through and capture the the fans and capture the fan gore. You know, you walk in, um, and some of these venues are absolutely fantastic and and are just gorgeous. How the the restaurants and the concessions are set up. As a guest, you walk in and you see all of these options. Um, that all look great, all look tantalizing. One might be, you know, steak driven, one might be chicken, one might be pasta. So it's my job to make sure that my brand breaks through in that environment to where um, if as a fan, I'm posed with all of these beautiful options. I'm, I'm being drawn to Fuku. Um, and the way we do that is um, through brand ambassadors. That's something really that we're doing a little bit differently at concessions. So we have brand ambassadors often at the venues and also very much uh, using our retail space at the venue to tell the story of Fuku and of David Chang. Um, I think when when posed with all of the, the options and you see Fuku from, you know, David Chang, that's something that's really going to resonate with people. Well, and that, you know, of course, leads me to the marketing uh, of this brand. You are you have 25 years of marketing experience. You were in marketing at Burger King, marketing at Church's Chicken. Uh, so you take on the CEO role. And, I, and I'm curious, d did this present to you kind of a unique marketing challenge? Because when you look at it, I mean, fried chicken, boom, like that's you must have been so happy to have an opportunity to be in that category. And you already were obviously previous. But but at the same time, it's a unique challenge in that being in the arena space, where the locations are, 
it's different than how you market a brick and mortar chain. So how did you see sort of the marketing challenge of this and, and what does that marketing look like for the brand in the spaces it occupies? Definitely. I think it, it is a very unique challenge. And I think that's what drew me to the opportunity. Um, you know, the, the brand is well known. Obviously, David Chang is well known. Um, but how is it that then we're, we're marketing the brand appropriately to our prospective clients, which are sports teams and concession partners like Levy, Legends, etc. So that's the first gate. And that's my first target is reaching, um, reaching those um, folks in a way that makes sense to them by showing them the business case behind why they should bring in Fuku from David Chang. Thereafter, as we um, spoke about a little bit earlier, is now that I'm in venue, how do I make sure that I get my unfair share of traffic into Fuku versus the other options? Um, and that we're doing through a series of um, tactics, really. It's the, you know, we'll, we'll use the in-stadium assets. We'll use geofenced um, targeting with social media. We're doing, you know, a full-scale um, suite of, of really options that, that give us the opportunity to shine within the venue and differentiate. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Um, having worked with previously with two very large brands in Church's Chicken and in Burger King, uh, what, how do you feel, what are some of the lessons you pulled from major organizations like that, specifically in marketing, that you feel you can apply to a an emerging fast casual concept like Fuku? Yeah, wonderful question. And sometimes it's, it's the basics. So something that um, very early on with Fuku, um, I observed as an opportunity for us is brand consistency. And again, it sounds so basic, but I think the, the power of a brand is consistency across all of the platforms. Um, that's something that, you know, have did at the sports, have done at Burger King and churches. But with Fuku, we had um, a mix of a, the original branded identity. And then three years uh, into that branded identity, there was a change. So there were three or four different iterations of the brand. Um, out in the universe through packaging, through concessions, through our restaurants, which then really ends up diluting the brand and creating kind of brand confusion. It's like, is this the Fuku that I know from Lori's side or is this a different Fuku now with an orange logo? So it's been implementing some of the basics um, then to, to fully um, unleash the power of the brand. You know, again, it's Fuku, it's David Chang. So it's making sure that all of the blocking and tackling is done perfectly so that then we can really leverage it um, at all levels. So uh, some of the basics and also very important um, is, you know, we were created by David Chang, but we are also a brand on our own, right? He's got Momofuku. He has several different concepts. So something we're working on right now that I draw, I've drawn a lot from my experience at Burger King and churches is what is our brand essence? You know, what is our brand identity? What is our brand positioning? How are we going to be uniquely ourselves as we move forward? Um, you know, that's a lot of marketing mm -hmm. speak for we're doing some research, really uh, making sure we pressure test the, the research with existing guests, new perspective guests, certainly with David and, and others that have been close to the brand for many years, and then starting to create additional um, marketing assets with a clear brand voice. Um, so those are the two things mm. that are pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Brand consistency and being mm -hmm. very clear in, in who we are um, and what our brand voice is. 
So to that point, you know, going back to the competition, you talk about the chicken wars, you know, that's this, that's a, it's continues to rage on, let's say. Now, of course we all, you know, it's a joke when we call it a war because let's face it, everybody's winning. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, when you think about the competition, um, the brand positioning of this, especially David Chang, you call it, you know, celebrity chef brand that like that has some real cachet. When you develop this brand positioning, how do you rise above the noise, rise above the competition and can differentiate the self, the brand uh, enough to say, like, we're not like Chick-fil-A. We're not like Raising Cane's. We are this. What does that look like? Definitely. First and foremost, chef created and curated. Right. That that is front and center. Also, something that is very unique. And, and we are really owning this. We are a spicy sandwich. We're Asian American inspired and we're a spicy concept. Um, a lot of people have been telling me, Claudia, you need to add non-spicy options. You need to do all of these different things, but we're spicy. That's who we are. And we're really going to lean into that. Um, and that's going to be a part of our positioning. So I think in, you know, in this landscape of so many different chicken sandwich options, that's what makes us different and unique. We're Asian American inspired. We're chef created and we are spicy. Um, that is something that we're going to, is, is a badge for us. Yeah. Okay. So you've alluded to this a little bit, uh, your experience in sports. Uh, for those who are just listening and not watching this, you have a Dolphins jersey on your wall over your shoulder. Take it you're a big fan. Obviously, you worked for the Dolphins as well. Um, so you have experience working for Miami Dolphins and uh, the NFL and the Miami Marlins and the MLB. Um, similar to my question about, you know, you're translating that big brand experience with Burger King and churches over to an emerging brand. Similarly, how do you do that with a sports team? What did you learn from working in marketing with sports teams that you're tapping into to really elevate Fuku? Definitely a great question. And um, on that jersey, big fan, but also I like to share it's not just because I'm a fan. That was uh, one of my first projects at the Dolphins was the logo brand uh, redesign and uniform evolution. Um, but I think okay. what I learned really from sports, it was um, has been so helpful in our success at venues is – Simply when you watch a stadium go from zero people to 70,000 people um, and bringing that many people through a stadium and an experience and where your concessions and the queue is so long and there's so much going on, um, you would think it's a marketing thing that I've learned that I'm, I'm implementing, but it's, it's really about the operational excellence of our concessions. So many times I would walk through Hard Rock Stadium or Marlins Park and I would just see the lines and I'm like, whoever can make that line move faster is going to win. So that was something that always uh, stayed top of mind for, for me. And that's something that the team and I have been working very much to improve. So in the venues where we operate, um, the locations where it's our team members, our Fuku trained staff, we are delivering on operational excellence and we are moving those lines and those cues faster than anyone. Um, so that's that's the interesting thing. It's a, yes, I was a, a, the, the head of marketing for each of those teams. But what I carried with me is operational excellence. Move those lines. Make sure you serve excellent quality product and food. And people will come back, maybe even twice during a game, which uh, we've seen. The, the Fuku fans out there, uh, we've been to locations that we hadn't been before. Yankee Stadium, I remember the first game, we had people coming back two or three times, which is just excellent, right? Three repeat purchases in the same game is, is pretty special. But that's only because of the excellence we had in, in moving people through and, and serving a quality product. 
So I'm curious too about, you know, sort of loyalty to branding, because I mean, one of the unique things about sports teams is the sheer loyalty you get from fans, right? I mean, listeners will know I'm a pretty avid Cleveland sports fan, uh, you know, from Ohio. Um, don't ask me about how my Browns performed last night, because anytime you ask me that, it's, it's, I'm usually very upset. So, um, but you know, live, I, it, win or lose, I am sort of just faithfully following this, this brand. Um, can you recreate that in restaurants? I'm curious, like, is there any amount of that sort of brand affinity and loyalty you learn in sports that you feel like you could work into Fuku? You know, that's a, that's a, I love that question. And I think I have an interesting um, example to draw from, you know, at, at Burger King, our mission was to create loyalists, which just did not happen in that category. You know, people would switch Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's. It was just all about convenience, really. Um, and what I have loved about Fuku that we're working to really tap into is there is an affinity and there is a loyalty. And I think a lot of it is driven by 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 David Chang and the food that is being um, created. You know, I think there's he's done something special, something really unique, um, tapping into taste profiles that are new or were new when he first uh, started developing them. So I think that has built an affinity. Um, and I'll share an example. I was, uh, we just started with the Jacksonville Jaguars and I was at the game on Sunday, uh, for our first experience there at, um, TIAA Bank Stadium. And there were four gentlemen, um, standing there. They were just, they, they saw the Fuku sign and they ran to the Fuku and they're like, we watch David on TV all the time. I can't believe Fuku's here. So there's, there is an affinity there. So it was a, a great, you know, experience to see it um, myself. And as I heard them talking, you know, they all placed their orders. And then I, I came in and, and, and I comped them. It was on me. And they were just blown away by, by that detail of, wow, we love Chang. We love Fuku. We've tried it before. Now it's here in Jacksonville. And by the way, the CEO just bought lunch for us. So I think it's the totality of that experience that, that we do have loyalists. Um, and I think that's proven in our brick and mortars. You know, we have um, people that come see us two, three times a week. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I remember 2015 uh, when Fuku opened, uh, it was a huge, huge deal. And I happened to be in New York right about the time it opened shortly after. And I stood in line for 45 minutes. I think it was, and I, I remember this was right after the cronut craze. And so like standing in lines in New York was just kind of a thing. So I got in line for Fuku, stood in line for 45 minutes. Well worth it. Well worth it. I was happy to stand in line for the sandwich. But I'm curious, you know, as you guys grow, like, how do you encapsulate that energy? Because, you know, some might see growing brands and as like sellouts or something. Like when you have something that you might call a novelty or something that is sort of unique in one place, and then you blow that out there, you risk losing some of that. So tell me about some of the safeguards, I guess you put in place to ensure you can kind of protect that mentality where you have these fans who are running up to Fuku, no matter if it's 500 locations or 50. That, another uh, wonderful question. Thank you for that. And I think we're, we're working hard to recapture that. Um, you know, our current locations in New York, I think moved a little bit away from that. Um, and we need to get back to to capturing that. And I think you captured that essence, that, you know, authenticity um, by creating a space that, again, is 
is based on the origin story of of the brand. It was a smallish place, you know, it just had counter space. Uh, it was a very simple menu and there was just a vibe and the vibe was driven by authenticity. That authenticity was driven by um, many people in the food industry were there. That was kind of the place to go because, uh, you know, Chef Chang had just created this amazing uh, new sandwich. So I think as we recreate that, because I think we that's where there's a big opportunity for us in the brick and mortars is to recreate that vibe, that environment, um, and then expand it authentically. Um, how are we going to do that? I'm st we're still working through that. I don't think there's a specific recipe to, you know, um, lightning doesn't strike twice to capture exactly what was created in the Lower East Side will be very hard, but we are working on capturing the essence um, that you and, and the experience that you had when you went in there. You knew it was laid back. It was relaxing. I've heard, um, you know, I never got to go to the original Fuku, but 90s hip hop was kind of playing. So it was just a whole vibe and environment that was comfortable with delicious food, great company, and a beer, right? So simple, yet extraordinary. So um, that's what mm -hmm. we're going for. And we're going to, as we expand, we'll be looking at smallish footprints, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 square feet, where we can create a vibe and environment um, and, and deliver that excellent food and, and that feeling. Um, because you're right, it's it's the food plus the service plus the feeling that you get when you're there. So we're, we're working hard to um, really identify how we recreate that and then um, scale it in, in several markets. Uh, so so um, pivoting back to sort of the operational element of things, you, you mentioned that um, brand consistency, operational excellence and consistency. Um, and for the sake of those who have never run a restaurant in a venue like an arena, um, can you explain uh, some of the maybe um, differences of running a restaurant in that space versus running a brick and mortar? Because, you know, our listeners are thinking about ordering apps and they're thinking about off-premises service and uh, operational efficiency is a really big theme this year, as I'm sure it is with you. Uh, how do all of those tr translate to the arena space and how do you approach innovation when you're in a unique setting like that? Great. Um, yeah, so that's, it's been fascinating. We, the, the principles of an efficient operation do translate. I think what ends up happening is that the speed at which you do everything needs to move a lot faster and, and how you prep everything needs to be, um, much more well thought out. I'm going to give you an example of, of how important it is. And I think it came, this, we were just at the U.S. Open. Um, so about 20 sales days at the U.S. Open and, I keep asking my team, how is it, how did we reach $2 million in sales in 20 days? And because it's Whoa. a mind blowing number, right? As an example, wow. yeah. one of our brick and mortars for the year does less than that, right? So as we've talked and debriefed, and again, it was a lot of teamwork. It was the, the collab collaboration of the team that ran the three different stands it was the same team that we used last year, so that was very important. A team that could come together to work in a very high-stress, high-pressure situation is imperative. Additionally, simplicity of menu is going to be very key that is different than the brick and mortar. And, and also just um, back to moving that line efficiently. The smallest thing is if you have point, four point of sales at a concession and someone is just standing there waiting and they don't see this point, this point of sale is open, the simple things of my team member saying, come on, we're over, we're ready for you, come this way. It just the navigating um, of the traffic or the lines to the point of sale. So um, I would say it's very different, but it's 
multiplied. Basically, everything you do in the restaurant, you sure. need to multiply it, do it better, smarter, and faster. Um, and prep, a lot, a lot of prep. Yeah. Hey, what kind of collaboration do you do with venue management on innovation? Because, for example, I know that there's technology out there that really is emphasizing, you know, delivery to the seat that, there, you know, that that that's something that can be done now. Um, do you have to collaborate with the venue on some of the innovations like that to make sure those things can happen seamlessly? Yeah, we do get to collaborate with the venue and also with uh, the point of sale companies. So we're we're doing some testing uh, with um, there's a point of sale platform called my venue. We're, we're trying to do some testing for in-seat delivery and you would think it's so it makes such sense. Um, you know, I, I'm a f sports goer. Um, the, the adoption of mobile ordering is still not taking off in, in venues, which is fascinating to me, right? It's still very low penetration and we're, we're working through some of that, but yeah, we we've partnered with the concession partners and or point of sale companies to try and, and tackle that. The other thing is sort of related to that, of course, is the a big word on everybody's lips lately is experience. Um, and, and, you know, experience can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different brands, and that can be on-premises or off-premises. But I, I think that, you know, you guys must really uh, have a huge advantage in this regard, that the experience is they're already having a great experience, whether they're at a, a, a sports game or at a concert, like they're having the time of their lives and you guys are like complimentary to that experience in some ways. But what are ways that you try to complement, emphasize, accentuate, I guess, that experience so that Fuku can be, you know, a part of what they're experiencing? Definitely. I like to say we're, we're the icing on the cake of the, the best experience that you were planning on having. You know, it's just, you're going to the sports game you've been waiting to go to all year or the concert and it's going to be you know with a fuku sandwich and i think for us the experience is really um back to our team you know it's the front of the house it's the back of the house it's our brand ambassadors and we're doing that very differently than than any other um i think restaurant concept or even concession partner um we we have team members out in front of the of the um, ordering area, talking to guests, sharing with them about Fuku. Um, it's the, it's the, you know, all of the things that we do when we're taking the order, the sharing, if they don't understand what our four different sauces are, taking the time to explain it. So I think we're executing, um, exceptionally from a service standpoint, um, in concessions, which is very different. Um, that's not something that, that typically takes place. You usually don't go to a baseball stadium and, and order a meal and have a brand ambassador talking to you about the brand. Um, so that's something right. that, again, we're, we're really leveraging. Mm -hmm. Okay, Claudia, last question for you. you. You've been with this brand for about a year now, um, and I'm sure you have all kinds of hopes and dreams for Fuku. Um, but tell me, tell me briefly, just your vision for what you hope to accomplish with this brand in the coming years. Where do you think this thing could go? Definitely. So we've, uh, we're, we're growing. Um, it's a team of dedicated people with, uh, great backing and support, um, you know, and where we're going is um, I've committed to $100 million in system-wide sales in the next five years, uh, $50 million by 2025, and I think that will be, not I think, that will be driven by our growth in venues. That will be coming also from our eateries, our brick and mortar, and also we will eventually be franchising. Um, so that's going to be, okay. those will be the three kind of focus areas. Um, 
we will also explore uh, consumer packaged goods, CPG. So those are going to be the, the areas of growth. Um, and we're just, um, I say we, because it is really a team of people at the end of the day that are making the dream happen. But that's very succinctly and clearly where we're going. 50 by 2025, 100 by 2027, and it'll be um, composed of those four different uh, channels. Oh, it's very exciting. I can't wait to see where you guys go from here. Claudia Lascano, the CEO of Thank Fuku, you. thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. That was my interview with Fuku CEO, Claudia Lascano. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my five takeaways. My first takeaway is that there is an opportunity to change the narrative around bad stadium food. When you think about going to a stadium, an arena, any venue for a game or a concert or whatever it might be, usually your bar is pretty low for the food and beverage that you're going to get. Historically, of course, that's been hot dogs, popcorn, burgers, maybe pizza. It's been the very, uh, very basic level of food, you might say. Um, but lately, there has been a renaissance in arenas and in stadiums as chefs move into these arenas as higher quality brands move in as they seek local food options. But on the whole, there is a huge opportunity here for restaurants to shine in that sporting venue environment. These venues are eager to bring in these high quality options. They're looking for those local brands, looking for chefs, looking for an opportunity to partner with a restaurant brand that can take that quality messaging to the next level. And so if you haven't looked at stadiums, arenas, whatever your local venues are, look into that because there could be a really big opportunity for you there to help that venue take their food program to the next level, clear a very low bar, frankly, and to make a huge impression to what equals many, many thousands of customers. My second takeaway is that forecasts are critical to capitalizing on your potential in a stadium or arena. Claudia made this great point that when they go into a new arena, they create a partnership with the management of that venue in order to really understand sales patterns and customer habits. Uh, when you think about some of these stadiums, uh, you know, a lot of restaurants might pass because the opportunity uh, it isn't there all year round. You need all year round service to make a profit often, right? And at some of these venues, you know, think about an NFL stadium. They only play maximum like 10 games in that stadium per year. Yes, there are concerts and other events that happen there, but you only have a small number of days in the year when, when that stadium is being utilized. Uh, Claudia used the example of baseball stadiums tend to have more because you have 81 home games. But again, out of 365 days, if you're talking about 81 days where you are active in that venue, your forecasting is really critical because you have to understand the ups and downs of the traffic. You have to understand what days you're going to have uh, a ton of service and what days you'll have zero. Of course, you need to plan around staffing, supply, all of those things you have to meticulously plan for through the forecasting through the data that you're going to get through that venue partner. And that's why forecasting is so critical to help you do a good job. Um, Claudia mentioned how once you do this forecasting, once you collect that data through a strong partnership with a venue, you can put some marketing dollars behind your restaurant so that you can maximize the sales that come in on those few days um, that are in operation. But really those that that data is, is key to um, doing a great job to maximizing your sales in a non-traditional location, such as a sporting venue. 
My third takeaway is that unleashing the power of your brand begins with consistency. Claudia came into Fuku a year ago, and as she said, Fuku had many different iterations. It was At the time, it was serving out of ghost kitchens. It, of course, had the non-traditional sports stadiums. It had brick and mortar. It had bigger footprints. It had smaller footprints. It had even a different logo. And what they had to figure out was, how do you bring all of these together so that no matter where Fuku shows up, no matter at a stadium, a brick and mortar, or elsewhere, there is a consistent expectation from the customer on what they will get. And I appreciated that, you know, that that line she said about unleashing the power of your brand. Your brand is one of the most important assets that you have. Uh, along with your food, that's the thing that communicates the most information to your guests and sticks in their mind. Uh, it becomes a part of their lifestyle even. And if there are mixed messages in there, if the brand isn't consistent, then it could cause confusion. And you can't allow that to happen because the customer needs to know exactly what to expect out of the brand. That's been Claudia's first step with Fuku to bring all of these iterations together with one brand, one voice. Um, and through that very clear brand voice, they're able to thrive in a setting such as a stadium. Now, Chef David Chang is a huge asset to Fuku, of course. He is well known for the food TV he's been a part of for Momofuku, his restaurant empire. All of these things are great assets that Fuku can tap into. And there's an authenticity to David Chang that they really lean on as well. But again, those all have to be very consistent in order for it to work. So that when somebody walks into Hard Rock Stadium in Miami and they see Fuku, they understand the connection to David Chang. They understand the connection to the spicy chicken sandwich and they choose to go buy their meal from Fuku. My fourth takeaway is that the key to thriving in a sports venue is excellent operations. So again, earlier we talked about the forecasting, the data, that is critical to, to thriving, yes. But when it comes to actually facilitating your brand in a stadium, operations are key. Think about a, uh, a game, a concert, the venue where you've attended this. Think about the pace of action around you. It's busy. There are thousands of people crushing all around you. People want to go quickly between innings or between quarters to grab a bite to eat. Um, there is a, a very fast pace, and it is all intensely packed into a couple of hours. And if you can't keep up with that, you're not going to thrive in that stadium or in that arena. Um, Claudia talked about the importance of prep. I think that was really interesting, that if you do not prep for a game or a concert or an, an event or experience... If you don't do it properly, you could fail big time when this rush of customers comes in the doors. Prep is key. She also talked about the need for having teams that can handle high stress, high pressure situations. Because again, this is two or three hours of intense business and people wanting to move very, very quickly. If you don't have those things, again, you will fail. There was this remarkable example that Claudia used in our interview about the recent US Open. And she said that Fuku did $2 million in sales in 20 days of service at the U.S. Open across three stands. Think about that. $2 million in sales. Your restaurant might not achieve that in a year. And they did that in 20 days. Now, think about the, the rush on each of those stands. Think about how much demand was placed on each of those. And again, if you did not meet the expectation for preparation, if you did not um, have the proper team in place, all of that could have collapsed. 
And Fuku could have not achieved that incredible sales number, but they did because they were ready for it. So that operations um, piece of this is key if you pursue a non-traditional strategy such as stadiums. My fifth and final takeaway is that your brand should be the icing on the cake of the guest's stadium experience. They are not there for you. Whereas in your brick and mortar, they have probably chosen you for a reason. Your, your menu, your branding, they're curious, it's on their way to work, whatever it is. They chose you. At the arena, first and foremost, they are there for the event that's happening in the arena, whether that's the game, the concert, or other experience. And so you ultimately are an add-on to that experience, and you should treat that experience as such. But remember, again, going back to my first takeaway, there's kind of a low bar here. They're coming to be wowed by their favorite players, their favorite singer, and the food you know, they don't have high expectations for. But if you can provide that great service, that great food, provide it quickly for them so it fits their experience, it's going to be that icing on the cake to truly blow them away. And it's an opportunity to introduce your brand to them in an impactful way. They're going to have a memorable night, probably. Again, if it's a, when their favorite team or, or band, whatever it is, chances are they're going to remember that night for a long time. And your brand has an opportunity to be a part of that. Be that icing on the cake. Um, So consider that when you look into stadiums and arenas for your own brand. Consider how you can be a part of a special experience for your guests and how that can be really an introduction to them to what your brand is all about. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okus at informa.com. Thanks again and talk to you next week.